It's Friday night, which means it's time for another episode of the Friday Night Nicktoons podcast. I'm Casey. And I'm Ashley. Last time we looked at the nanobots from Jimmy Neutron. We also put out our latest Twitter poll asking whether you guys would watch a show based around the nanobots, and maybe a little bit of Hugh Neutron thrown in there too. And in a vote that surprised me, I don't know about you Ashley, about 56% of you said you would not watch that show. We were at about 50-50 for a while, it was our closest poll we've ever conducted. And uh, yeah, this surprised me because, I don't know, I, it seemed like we had a pretty Jimmy Neutron centric following on this podcast so maybe taking jimmy out of the equation would make you not want to watch it yeah i think it could be too just that it's a little bit late for it to come out right the show came out so long ago and the nanobots were only in three episodes so maybe people didn't love them quite as much as we did while we were watching them and you know maybe when you think back on the show the nanobots weren't the standout crew that they were for us but right i mean i would watch it but i could understand not being as enthused about it. Totally. I'll bet um, the new Twitter follow we just got from Bring Back Jimmy Neutron or Revive Jimmy Neutron, I'll bet they voted for the Nanobot show. <laughs> I I would expect as much, yeah. All right, this time we're looking at some Valentine's Day episodes, focusing not just on romantic love, but also platonic. That's true. And if uh, Ashley stops projecting my advances, we could, you know, eventually take this podcast to a whole new level. Am I, am I right, Ashley? I genuinely hope that everyone can understand that that's a joke and that me and Casey are not in some weird friend-zoned situation. Friend-zoned, man. Am I right? Am I right, fellas? <laughs> she'll, she'll come around. She always says that. It's a really funny joke. Moving forward, you guys. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. Now let's get started. Our first episode is All Grown Up. It's the first time we've discussed All Grown Up, which means we have now hit every major Nicktoon on our list. We apologize if you're a huge fan of another show that we haven't gotten to yet, but we think of the major Nicktoons, we've covered them all. This episode is called It's Cupid Stupid, and it's from Season 1, Episode 8. Yeah, real quick, if there is a show that you love and have been waiting for us to cover patiently for the past 38 episodes... Feel free to tweet at us at FNN underscore podcast. Let us know what that is. We will find a way to work it in. Um, in this one, we've got sort of the A plot is that there's a Valentine's Day dance and there's a lot of sort of discussion about who's going to ask who, who's going with who. And it's a, you know, your general um, stressful preteen situation there and we also have a b plot that ends up being a lot more relevant than it seems at first with dill meeting up with a character by the name of lil q and he ends up becoming a pretty major part of the plot in actuality yeah well what i instantly recognized lil romeo as the cupid character and they really make it look just like him and it took me back to you know that short-lived romeo show and uh, that whole era of Nicktoons that was like just after my childhood or after my like young childhood. 
And it really took me back. Like, I forgot how much I knew about this show. I remembered the theme song. The theme song, the style of the show is so mid-2000s. The transitions are these, like, colorful boxes that are sort of filtered through these weird lenses. And it just screams that era. Yeah, it definitely does. And um, just gonna say overall, the show is definitely better than any other Rugrats spinoffs that may exist. <laughs> I'm not sure what you could be referring to. There's This is the only Rugrats-related show besides Rugrats that I'm aware of. Well, if there were another one, I'm sure it wouldn't be as good as this. <laughs> Oh, I have a dude. Yeah. I have a dude. Same. I have a teacher that, or a, a character that I really connected with on a spiritual level. This teacher who we see very early on in their school is just very dramatically um, explaining like the history of Cupid and the sort of uh, mythological side and uh, historical side of that, and then she goes into this whole loveless rant about how even if he doesn't love you back and it, it clearly gets to a very personal place for her and there's the high drama of her life i really resonated with me <laughs> yeah i would agree that you are over dramatic most of the time <gasps> what <laughs> <laughs> yeah so we end up basically getting into the fact that there's a valentine's day dance and i think it's it's either chucky or tommy i think it's tommy who's like valentine's dance i'm 10 and i was kind of thinking i always thought they were older am i alone on that well they are because i think that was dill who said that let me check if it says their their ages but yeah i always pictured them being like a bit older than 10 i don't know oh tommy pickles is 27 in 2017 if is that going based on that's what, what? The, that's what the wiki says. His birthday is June 11th, 1990. And then, uh... But, like, there's a jump, right, from when the series starts to when All Grown Up starts. Like, is that based on... He's 10 in the pilot, he's 11 and 12 in season 1, and then 13 from season 2 on. Yeah, so he's he's 10 at the time. No, that was the pilot. It says he's 11 and 12 in season 1. Oh, 11 and 12. I thought you said 11 in 12 of season one. Like, he turns 11. No. In episode 12. No, 11 and 12. So somewhere in there he turns 12. And that makes sense, because Dill was born when Tommy was around one or two. Regardless. Anyway, yeah, as you guys have hopefully learned by now, we are by no means Nicktoon experts. We're just very passionate and... We think the draw of our podcast is the casual discussion, not the encyclopedic knowledge. So, although we're getting yeah. there, we're getting better. I guess just the way they kind of interact and are, like, constantly left alone and are, like, just hanging out in coffee shops and stuff together, they just come across more as teenage-aged to me, but I don't know. I just, personally, I feel like at 10, 11, my parents weren't leaving me alone as often as they are. Angelica's got to be a teenager at this point. Yeah, because she's like, what, three, four years older than them? Yeah, like, or a, a, a couple years. Um, I guess two, whatever. Regardless. Yeah, this episode is fine, is kind of how I feel about it. I don't know. Um, there's some weird dialogue, like, Phil 
Tommy and Chucky are sitting at lunch later, and Chucky has been obsessing over this girl. And he's kind of sitting there upset, and Phil makes some, like, weird, lame joke, and they're chuckling, and Tommy says, good one, huh, Chucky? Like, I just thought that was such a bizarre line, because Chucky is sort of despondent and out of it, so, like, maybe it's Tommy being Tommy and trying to draw him in, but it, it just seemed like an awkward way to frame how Chucky is isolating himself. Yeah, I, I feel like, as a whole, the show isn't my favorite. <laughs> But I, it has its moments, you know, I think, yeah, I guess, like, I like the idea of having a show where we can see how they've grown up. I think, and maybe this is my opinion, I feel like the full 30 minutes gets a little bit long for the content of the episode. And that might just be this one, but I feel like it, it dragged a little bit for me. Yeah, me too. And, uh... Yeah, so Chucky is kind of floating this idea of asking this girl, instead of going as guys, you know, which was their idea to just, like, commit to being single. And uh, Angelica overhears this and comes over and goes, well, what's the worst that could happen, Chucky? And then kind of describes this, like, really embarrassing scenario where, like, she says no and ridicules him and blah, 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 and it's it's so sad. Yeah, it's something along the lines of, like, she laughs so hard that you can't even finish asking her out because it's so embarrassing, something like that. Like, she's so ashamed of the fact you'd even think of asking her, and it's it's so Angelica. She wasn't even, like, a part of the conversation. She just, she just kind of pops in to say that. Yeah, she is, she is the worst. <laughs> and then, yeah, we have these transitions that I talked about that keep coming up where they sort of, we see the things from each of their perspectives as they're, like, walking around school, and it's all, you know, colorful, and the music picks up. And, yeah, so we sort of get a kaleidoscopic view of all the different friendships in the show in this episode. We have Kimmy and Susie, who are awesome as friends. I I love both of their characters. They have a little bit of conflict in this episode, but it seems as though they typically don't. We have, of course, Tommy and Chucky. And uh, not so much of Phil and Lil in this episode, but they're around. Yeah, when Lil is around in this episode, she's pretty awful. (laughs) Yeah. But, well, I'll I'll talk about, there's a specific thing at the end that just made me, like, really annoyed with Lil. We'll, we'll get there. Yeah, we also do have the B-plot. Like I said, there's Dill meets this new kid in school named Lil Q. He's an exchange student, and he's a hacky sacker. And we sort of realize, as the episode continues on, that anytime he hits somebody with a hacky sack, they seem to act pretty, uh, pretty strange to say the least. Yeah, and you eventually figure out that, you know, Lil Q, short for Cupid, and he no one else really interacts with him at all that I remember, right? Isn't that kind of the point that it's only Dill who... Yeah, it's only Dill, and it's also never... It's very heavily implied, but I did like that they never, like, outright say it. It's not like at some point they're like, this is a modern-day Cupid. Oh, you're Cupid all along. Like, it's not directly handed to you and it's kind of subtle at the beginning you know we just we see people get hit by hacky sacks and then all of a sudden they start you know falling in love with the first person they see unfortunately Lil Q's aim is not the best so we end up getting Chucky's girl falls for Tommy uh Sean who's like the guy that 
Angelica is apparently obsessed with ends up falling for Susie, right? Yes. As well as Z, who's Kimmy's... I don't know if she's crushing on him, or if they're friends, or a mixture of the both. But he ends up falling for Susie as well. Everything is a mess. Right. So the main conflict is Susie and Kimmy over a guy slash guys, and then Chucky and Tommy over a girl. Although Tommy really doesn't want much to do with, uh, what's Chucky's girl's name? I'm blanking. I forget. She's not too relevant. I don't think she shows up often. Not much. She just ends up, you know, obsessing over Tommy, and Tommy keeps trying to do the right thing and keeps trying to back off and send her to Chucky, but she doesn't get it at all and ends up thinking that he asked her to the dance. And Charlie, Charlie, Chucky watches the entire thing happen and is pretty, pretty crushed and thinks that Tommy is deliberately doing this. Yeah, and for a while we have this issue across all of the the couples, right? Angelica is mad at Susie, which probably happens frequently enough anyways, but Kimmy doesn't want to talk to Susie either. Chucky doesn't want to talk to Tommy, and basically they all end up forgiving each other, going to the dance anyways, over, you know, a bit of obsessive... Because the thing about, you know, Cupid is always that it's not just that, like, whoever is crushing, they become pretty obsessive. And it's pretty uncomfortable also, but, you know, it it is what it is. So, I think that's about everything that happens before we get to the dance itself, right? Yeah, that's about all that's significant. We see uh, Spike and Fifi in old age, and they're still adorable, but it, it kind of is, fills me with existential dread when I see them, because it's like, oh man, life moves so fast. <laughs> But oh, and we have we meet we see Harold for a split second of preschool days fame. Yeah, he actually originated here, but he does he does make another return in. Wait, I, what show did you just call? What what did you just name? I was a sh- you know I might be making it up. I, I thought there was a show called Preschool Days, but now that I reflect on it, it was just like a weird, awful dream that I had. So okay. I was a little bit confused because earlier you were saying that there were no other spinoffs, so... Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm the worst. You are. Okay. You are. Hold me accountable. accountable. We get to the dance, and this is Lil's moment. She, like, she's so pretentious, and she, she baked cupcakes, I guess, for the dance, but she decides... That nobody can eat any of them because she patterned them in a way that it's like some like ancient symbol for love. And she's just like shooing everyone away from the cupcakes. And I'm like, why make them if you're not going to have people eat them? What is your point? What is your deal? Like, I... Ugh. Especially with your whole thing of baking and giving it to people. <laughs> yeah, it's just... Well, like, what's the point of you... It is one thing if you wanted to make a display out of whatever else, but why make them out of cupcakes... Why bring them in front of people and then say, sorry, you can't eat these cupcakes. I'm going to make sure nobody eats these cupcakes, but I still brought them. I just don't get it. But then we do get sort of, you know, the resolution. Lil Q gets his hacky sack aim back and basically just sorts everyone back out. Everyone ends up falling for their crushes and everyone has a grand old time at the dance. I would say, though, there is one better Rugrats-themed dance, and it's a very heartfelt one, uh, really two, where we have the uh, the two weddings at the top 
and the end of Rugrats in Paris. I think those are the dances that go down in Rugrats uh, history. Those made me, like, nearly just start crying in the middle of them as a grown adult. They're so good. The best part of that movie, for sure. Yeah. So it's not, you know, it's not super emotional, but they are all with their crushes. It's... It's a cute Valentine's Day episode. You know, we do get to see the dynamics of the whole crew. It is interesting to see them all. They're all grown up, but they're all very much similar to their their previous characters. Yeah, and I already know the answer to this rant I'm about to go on, but I have to go on it anyway. Has anyone listening to this podcast, are were you still best friends with the people you were best friends with as babies? Did you have best friends as babies? The, obviously, it's entertainment, it's whatever, but, like, the fact that none of their dynamics really change, except Angelica and Susie aren't really close anymore. Yeah, I feel like, well, for one, I couldn't tell you who I hung out with, quote-unquote, hung out with as a baby, because I don't really remember it. And I think the, like, longest, I guess I'm older now, right? But the longest friend I've had now is from, like, high school. Right. Yeah, I was gonna say, you're you're up there. But definitely, by the time, I guess, like, maybe some from elementary school carry on, but not from, like, when literal infancy. I guess, though... I mean, you could argue that that's a problem with Rugrats itself, right? That there's these babies that are so close. But that that's okay, because that's the concept. It's just sort of... But then would we care about this show if, like, Tommy moved and went to another school and, like, Chucky found yeah. other friends? We wouldn't care about it at all. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things you've just got to let go, which happens pretty yeah. frankly. And we're not very good at that. <laughs> we like to nitpick. We're, we're nitpicky with our plot holes. That's true. But yeah, yeah, good episode. I'm glad we finally got to this show. It's a good holiday episode. Uh, it's a clever concept. Might go on a little too long, but otherwise, I, I did enjoy it. Yeah, and uh, Lil' Q, he ends up leaving. So just to make sure we don't have to wonder where he's been for all the rest of the episodes. He leaves yeah. a note, never seen by anybody other than Dill himself. So yeah, it wraps up well. It's cute. It's not super emotional it's not super spectacular but it, it gets the job done totally all right well coming up next we get to one of our favorite holiday episodes from spongebob our second episode is from spongebob one of our absolute favorites entitled valentine's day from season one episode 16a yeah, I wish, I wish the title was a little less ambiguous. It's kind of hard to interpret, you know? Like, what's it about? It's also one of the few times that we've had a title that is the exact same as our podcast title. So today's is Valentine's Day, hence this episode. There was also Friday the 13th, the Hey Arnold episode. I can't think of any other times that that's happened, so kind of cool. Yeah, I feel like no episode would just call itself, like, Christmas. Like, that would be strange. Or, like, Thanksgiving. It's usually, like so-and-so's Thanksgiving, or, like... Oh, like there was The Patakis, which wasn't an episode, but was a spinoff show that never happened, and we called our episode The Patakis. Anyway, this is a great episode. I have been... I was all so excited for this one all week. It's the first thing I think of when I think of Valentine's and Nicktoons. Yeah, this one's 
I mean, for one, it's season one SpongeBob, right? So this is pretty early on in the uh, the show, and it it is great. There are so many memories that I hold with this show. And we, we start out, there's this nice, happy, floaty kind of music playing, and SpongeBob is just handing out Valentines to everyone. He even gives, like, a tiny one to Plankton that I think is the sweetest little thing. Yeah, it's adorable. And the first shot we see is a reef in the shape of a heart as we zoom in on SpongeBob's pineapple. I also think seeing Patrick in a shirt at the top of this episode, is just it just feels wrong, you know? I think most of this episode as well, he continues to wear this shirt with the heart on it. Yeah, a, a rare demonstration of continuity in SpongeBob, where usually the props are just sort of there for a second and then gone. I know this one. This one sticks around, but um, I guess real quick before then, we do we meet up with Sandy. Sandy gives gives her Valentine, which is a heart shaped nut. And then they talk about their plan. And I love that the plan is made out of bubbles because it's a bubble-related plan. And I just love SpongeBob's ability to morph bubbles into shapes. He is very skilled at that. And, uh, yeah, they work out a plan. I love SpongeBob's, like, narrator action voice uh, as he's going through step by step. And uh, he's he kind of teases to Patrick that, you know... He's got a great valentine for him, and Patrick keeps trying to guess. And they go to the carnival, and Spongebob hands him a quarter to go and buy, what, cotton candy or something? Yeah, and he's like, oh, cotton candy, that's the present. It's like Right, and he's like, oh, the quarter? I've always wanted a quarter. And with, with, the, not, with the privilege of hindsight, pardon me, he was like, Spongebob, just say it's the quarter, he'll be so excited. <laughs> Um, because, yeah. as we know, the plan goes horribly wrong. Yeah, we, we get a call from Sandy pretty... I, I think it's actually, it's shortly after Patrick decides to check off, um, mount, climb up and fall off, that Spongebob gets a call, and Sandy says, you've, you've got to stall him, there's these, uh clams or whatever that are coming after the balloon that she's bringing over and she's like just just stall them as best as you can and then she's like go to plan b and spongebob tries to stall for a bit but patrick gets pretty antsy so he decides to go to the top of the ferris wheel where they're originally going to give the gift and just hope that sandy shows up and of course she doesn't and he gives what is probably the worst plan B gift he could have given. Why even have a plan B if that was the plan B? It's ridiculous. But can I just say, I think this fair this all happens on a Ferris wheel, and I think it's one of the best scenes in all of SpongeBob. There's so much, like, tension and expectation and character clashing. Patrick is so excited, he's shaking the whole thing back and forth. SpongeBob knows he has to let him down. Sandy through the walkie-talkie is fighting off these scallops who bring the balloon down, or so it appears. And and SpongeBob ultimately says, okay, Patrick, here it is. I'm ready. It's a handshake. And he Gives Patrick his hand, and Patrick, his forehead droops. He has this thousand-yard stare, 
and just looks at <laughs> he shakes his hand and then just looks at his own hand as as in what have i what have i just done what just happened yeah it's it's the worst and you can tell you know spongebob's trying to carry on as normal and patrick just can't help but be a little bummed and you can't really blame him after giving all this hype for it to just be a handshake. Yeah. Then this episode moves along really quickly. There that a lot happens in the like 11 or whatever minutes. And SpongeBob and Patrick are we we sort of see a montage of Patrick staring at his hand, going on the roller coaster, uh you know, all the typical carnival stuff. And then they're sitting on a bench in the theme park and all these random fish who we've never really heard talk before keep going up and going, Oh my god, Spongebob, thank you! Thank you so much for the flowers, for the chocolate, blah blah blah. Because Spongebob apparently gave gifts to everyone in Bikini Bottom. And this one woman has this awesome line where she walks up to Spongebob and she's like, Thank you so much, Spongebob! And she goes to Patch and goes, Can you believe this guy? I just met him this morning. Uh, or maybe it's a, a man fish, I don't remember. It is a woman fish with a bicycle. Right, yeah. I just love that line. Can you believe this guy? I just met him this morning. And Patrick, who we can assume has been friends with Spongebob as long as, you know, anyone loses it. And he he just sh shouts out, Patrick needs love too! And he starts just destroying the, t the entirety of the theme park. And it's like the one guy who didn't get it. He just asked them for the time and he completely snaps. <laughs> and then I love the announcement over the loudspeakers. Uh, Attention everyone, there's a chubby pink starfish on the loose and then mass hysteria ensues. Yeah, it's it's great. He, he starts tearing up. I think this is the part where he tears off his heart shirt because he no longer believes in hearts. He tears up this heart mascot, who then just ends up, you know, just sitting there awkwardly, and he ends up kind of cornering in on a group of fish along with Spongebob, and he says that he's gonna, you know, like, finally get his revenge, nobody gave him anything. He also says, like, you didn't give me anything either, and they all kind of try to throw gifts at him that they just apparently have lying around in their pockets or whatever, and he just, he just, you know, stampedes over them. We also skipped over the classic line, hard on stick must die. Oh, yes. Amazing. Yeah, and yeah, they all, like you said, they all offer him gifts, which is very ridiculous, and... And so we have what I noticed is sort of this duality where at the beginning of the episode, Patrick is smashing a rock into a heart shape when Spongebob comes up behind him and he's going, hey, Patrick. And Patrick thinks that Spongebob is inside the heart and he won't turn around. So he ends up breaking the heart rock that he was making, presumably for Spongebob. Who knows who it was for? And in at the very end, you know, Sandy was able to whip the scallions into shape and or the not scallions the scallop into shape and bring them over and Patrick won't turn around and they're all telling Patrick turn around turn around and all he has to do is turn around and he'll understand everything but he's too stubborn and he's and he's like there's nothing that will ever make me turn around ever no matter what 
And then Sandy, being the smart woman that she is, is just like, Howdy, Patrick! And immediately he's like, Oh, hi, Sandy! <laughs> yeah, I also love, I think it happens a little bit before this, but Patrick goes, You must think I'm pretty dumb. And the whole crowd at once goes, Yes! <laughs> And it reminds me of the unison phone call that continuously haunts my dreams in the Thanksgiving episode of Rocco's Modern Life where the entire village calls him in unison over the phone and they're speaking long sentences. Yeah, this one's at least a single word. It's a little bit more believable. <laughs> yeah. But... Oh, boy. And then also, to, to end it all off, Patrick, he does turn around, he sees the chocolate balloon and i do have a question here because patrick's like oh is this solid chocolate and he bites right into it and it's not and chocolate ends up exploding all over the place but what did spongebob want him to do with it exactly yeah just ride around with it i guess and then maybe like drain it and make hot chocolate out of it. i don't even know i mean spongebob doesn't have a lot of foresight but it just seems like if I got a giant chocolate, I would probably want to take a bite out of said giant chocolate, too. I don't I don't know, like, not to mention, I don't really know how the dynamics of filling a hot air balloon with chocolate would even work. Also, they're underwater, so there's... Well, he is an expert bubble blower, so I'll bet it has something to do with that. Yeah, I just feel like if there's too much chocolate, it would start weighing down the air, right? That's true. It physically makes no sense, of course. The Spongebob universe isn't in our own. You know, now that I'm thinking about it, and this is... I guess if it were only filled with air, it would just float to the surface. So it would need some balance. So perhaps the chocolate would allow it to float sort of in the water without surfacing. So I guess I'll let that that go. It couldn't function like a normal hot air balloon because it's underwater. Well, of course not. Anyways. The goal would have to be keeping it afloat, like you said. But... Either way, I would think that you would want it to be eaten at some point if there's chocolate in it. I don't know. I don't know what any of this matters. Yeah. Anyway, this is a fantastic episode. It's uh, worth the watch if you didn't watch all these. It's it's just a joy. Yeah. It's It has some of the classic Patrick characterization that I just adore. Definitely... One of one of the best Valentine's specials there is. I think that wraps everything up. Are you good? I am. Next up, we have the Wild Thornberries. Our third and final Valentine's Day episode is from the Wild Thornberries, and it's called Operation Valentine, Season 3, Episode 16. In this episode, we encounter Deb getting ready to meet her email friend, as she refers to him, Sven. And we also have a couple of side plots, Valentine's Day related, along with Eliza going out into the wilderness where she ends up getting into a pretty big medical emergency situation. Yeah, this is one of the better Wild Thornberries episodes we've watched. We don't watch it as much as we really should, but I'm glad we got it back in the lineup again today. This is a great episode of a family coming together in a really trying and then heartwarming way. Yeah, I think part of the reason it's hard to get the show in as much is just that it's hard to fit it into the themes a lot because it doesn't 
really do so many of, like, the themed episodes. And even this one, it's a Valentine's Day episode, but it's by no means your standard Valentine's Day episode. That's for sure. They're, you know, like the theme song tells us, they're by no means your standard family. Yeah, and we we open up, and Deb is actually being, I would say, less awful than usual, but still kind of awful. I think yeah. I do. Th- I do want to stand up for Deb for a second. I think we have been too harsh on her in the past. We hated her the first episode we saw of this show for Friday Night Nicktoons, but she's you know she's a, she's complicated. Some of her dialogue is painfully lame, but some of it's of that era too. Yeah, I, I think the reason that she was so bad in that episode was things like not taking or she was holding the camera backwards it wasn't even that she didn't take off the lens cap she was just like being a moron but but we see her more committed to her family in this episode which is great yeah and she she is making these cookies for her email pal Sven and I guess this is they've been talking over the internet for a while but this is going to be the first time they're going to be able to actually meet and so she's dealing with that they also get their mail by helicopter is that right yes they do yeah and it's awesome it kind of comes in animal crossing style on little balloons and how many episodes can we have animal crossing come up i always do this (laughs) yeah they, they don't have to slingshot them down but yeah there's also there's a good line eliza's talking about how she got a valentine from a secret admirer, and Deb goes, gee, and I never knew Buffalo could write. It's ice cold. It's <laughs> so, so good. It's, their their dynamic, I think, is one of the most real parts of the show. One of the most relatable things. It's two sisters that get along in the way that they do, but hate each other. And they're, they're great. So then we, uh... So Nigel gets pressed pressed by Deb, right, to talk about, or maybe Eliza to talk about. No, it's Deb because Deb's the one that's actually in a romantic situation here, right? Yeah. So she's trying to get Nigel to talk about like love and his first relationships, and he gets so uncomfortable. He's like, "Uh the Wallabies await." Which I'm going to start saying now whenever I'm in a conversation that's making me uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, the Wallabies await no time for discussions of love. It's, it's every bit as awkward as you would expect Nigel to be, but dear God, is it awkward. So then on the Eliza side of things, she's hanging out in the Australian outback, I assume. They're in Australia. They must be in the outback. And she runs into some emus, and they have these Australian accents, and they're like, you're not going to make shampoo out of us, are you? And they're, <laughs> they're so funny. I, every time the animals talk to her, I, like, laugh for a second, because their voices are so silly. Yeah, I didn't realize, apparently there's actually shampoo that's made with, with uh, emu products. Yeah, so that's where they sneak in the educational side of this show. Because I, I thought they were just making, like, a weird comment, like, oh, don't make shampoo out of us. Like, I don't know, they're weird, but apparently that is a thing that is in some shampoos. I was unaware. I don't know what benefits it has, but fun fact, kids, emu oil is in some shampoos. We sort of, she's just kind of out there, and 
she has this pain on one side of her body and she thinks it's because she ate one of Deb's cookies and they weren't very good and she thinks maybe it's just a stomach ache so she keeps going on and after a while she starts realizing that she's like really really in pain yeah it's uh it's pretty scary actually it because she basically starts planning for her death she offers Darwin some extra snacks, and Darwin's such a great parent when he needs to be. She's, like, freaking out about everything, and Darwin just goes, let's worry about you right now, which we all need a Darwin saying something like that at in moments of crisis in our lives. And so Donnie runs off to try to find the parents, and he basically has to play charades with Nigel. He's trying to just, like, babbling and gesticulating wildly and... Uh, it's, it's kind of heartbreaking, actually. Yeah, and Nigel being the not very smart man that he is, he's trying to, like, talk about how there's the Falcons, Donnie is, and he's like, oh, the, the mail plane is here, and just is not getting it. Eventually, he does follow him, they find Eliza, and this is a great moment of Donnie being very, very much helpful. Yeah, I love getting the follow-through on our Donnie Darwin episode. That was the last time we talked about The Wild Thornberries was our comparison, which I think is still our most downloaded episode, interestingly enough. And they, we now see them both working together essentially as a team. Darwin takes care of Eliza while Donnie goes and gets help, and it's, uh, it's really nice to see. Oh yeah, for, for the record too, and this becomes relevant in a moment, the Comby was broken down at the beginning of the episode. They were waiting for the repairman. He was going to come sometime later in the day. Well, it was from the fire, so, right? The Deb starts? Was it? Because there's a fire at the very beginning because she was... Beginning yeah, but I thought that the fire was unrelated. I thought it just was broken down before then. Oh, that yeah, that could be. Well, regardless, they're stuck there. Um, yeah. And Deb was planning on using... They have, like, a mini combi within their combi to get places... And, um, Deb is at first kind of upset because she was planning on using that to go see Sven, but of course in this situation where, and I think it's Eliza's mom who points it out, says, you know, I think you might have uh, appendicitis, which uh, is obviously very serious and needs to be treated as quickly as possible. So Deb does end up having a, a moment of kindness where she agrees to, you know, give it up and she agrees to go with them to the hospital, too, which I thought was sweet. But, of course, that breaks down, too, because that's just the way this is. This this next, like, series of events is so stressful. It's very intense. But we do, thankfully, because, uh, for whatever reason, and conveniently, um, the mom... What's her name? It's Marianne. Okay. She... Yeah made a plane for Nigel for Valentine's Day, which one, I love that she's awesome and able to work with tools and able to build a plane, and two, is very, very useful for this moment where we need a form of transportation. Right. Yeah, so we see, we've now seen pretty much all of them saving the day at some point. Um, well, Deb doesn't really save the day, but she makes a major concession that is a big sign of character growth for her. Yeah, and we get this... This is just, like, the most stressed I've ever been during a Thornberry's episode, and they always like to make us stress a little bit, but they're in the plane, 
a storm starts and there's these birds around and Nigel's like, oh, that's okay, these birds are harmless, other than the fact that they like to attack planes. And it's, it's super stressful and Eliza starts just losing her mind. You know, she's, she's tired and she starts, what we realize, she's talking to Darwin in her sleep. And we realize, because we hear it from Nigel's perspective, that she's actually just making animal noises. So he just hears her making monkey noises. So when she talks to the animals, she is literally making noises with them. It's not like they are communicating with her in English. It's that she is communicating with them in their, you know, language, so to speak. And it's just translated for us, the viewer. Yeah, I thought that was a cool sort of insight into it. I never really thought about the logistics, but I think it's cool to think that I always pictured it as for some reason they could understand her English, but not other people's, right? That's what I thought it was too, but it's not. And it's similar to how I'll bet the rug the rugrats are just babbling like babies and Angelica can still understand them because she was young like that once. They're not literally talking. Right. Same, same concept, but I, I just thought it was a cool insight. But we do end up getting there in time, after, like, the most stressful thing we've ever seen. And she wakes up the next morning, she's in the hospital, she did indeed get her appendix taken out, and... The whole family. The whole family comes, Deb brings her flowers, which I thought was really sweet. She also has this line, and she's like, if I had a choice, I'd pick you over Sven. But just this once. And I, I love the way that that interaction happens, like... She wants to still seem like the cool, collected person, so she doesn't want to admit that she's being sweet. Like, she feels herself being too sweet, so she kind of tacks on the but just this once. But you really do feel the amount of care. We have a moment of every family member being a hero up to this point, and I think Debs counts as that, too. It starts with Darwin taking care of Eliza when her appendix bursts, then then continues with Donnie going to get help, with Marianne building the plane and making that happen, and then Nigel flying her there, getting her to the hospital, and then Deb for, you know, showing up as opposed to this guy and for bringing her flowers and having a nice moment with her. Yeah, it's great. We also then do get, if you want to talk about it a little bit, Nigel decides now is the time to express his first love story. Yeah, and so when it first comes up, it seems kind of weird because he looks at Marianne kind of uncomfortably. The implication being that it's someone who isn't her. That's what we all assume, at least. And then he's he starts talking about his first and only love, who was Marianne, his wife. And just realizing what a fantastic couple they are and how... You don't, their their love isn't very over the top and like performative, but it is done through actions and they are constantly supporting each other. They're one of the best couples in Nicktoons ever, hands down. They really are. They support each other. They do get in a little bit of squabbles here and there, but just enough, you know, they're able to pick everything back up. They're amazing. And then we get one more touching moment because this is just the touching moments all bundled together here. Where Eliza says, what about me? I don't have a valentine or an appendix. And they all kind of chip in one by one and they'll be like, you know what? I'll be your valentine. And the the whole family group hugs together and it is, it's too much. Oh, it was such a good episode. It's already a contender for me in our top of 2017. 
Yeah, I I didn't even read the synopsis for this one. I just saw, oh, Valentine's Day episode, sounds good. I was not prepared for these feels. I feel like it's a really great way to talk about Valentine's Day, too, and sort of show the way that you don't need to, you know, be in a traditional relationship for Valentine's Day to bring you closer to people, and I, it's just great. Yeah, well, as we wrap it up, let's talk about how each episode has totally different kinds of love. Like, all grown up, you think it's about romantic love at first, but it's really about the friends' relationships with each other and how they are strong enough to get through all of their hurdles. And yeah, there's the romantic side, but it's not nearly as important. Then in Spongebob, it's about Spongebob, you know, being a good friend to everyone that he knows and to him, for him and Patrick... Um, to work through a conflict and overcome it like they always do. It's less sappy than I'm making it sound, but it is about platonic love. And then this episode is about familial love and, you know, that love can take all kinds of forms, as in from an email buddy. (laughs) And Um, the the parents themselves talking about their true romantic love story. It's it's definitely... It's it's good times. I hope you guys all had a decent Valentine's Day as well. Hopefully nobody had to get their appendix out. Sorry if you did. Oh, poor Eliza. I think that, that wraps it up, though. Are we good to move on to trivia? Let's do it. Next up, we have our fourth round of trivia of this season, of this calendar year. It is still tied one-to-one after we both answered incorrectly last week. Womp womp. So that's why there wasn't a uh, trivia update on our social media. So Ashley, why don't you go ahead? I'm due to be asked first. Let's see how it goes. Let's see if we can make the score a little more interesting one way or the other. All right. This is an all-grown-up related question. Specifically about the theme song. So maybe you'll be able to get this. There's a line that ends with the word vacation. What is the previous... I guess it's like technically... Previous line anyways that rhymes with the word vacation. Which of these words is the word that is used to rhyme with vacation in the theme song? You understand, yeah? Yep, I think I can do one better than you, Ashley. You don't have to add... You don't have to give me any of the options. So it's every birthday, my mom and dad would say, you're another year old or something, another year or something, but I still go to school to get an education, something, 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 like a mini vacation. So it is education. <laughs> yes, it is. Correct! See, I figured you would know it, but personally, when I was sitting trying to think of the words to the theme song, I couldn't come up with them. So I thought maybe it would get you... Clearly it did not. Graduation is, or not graduation, that's one of my words. Education is the correct word. I thought maybe if you didn't remember it, graduation, you might think like something related to education. I also had celebration and relaxation. Education is the correct answer. Interesting. That was a good question. No, that that just, that song has been in my head for years. I I don't remember much (laughs) about the show, but I remember that. All right. So, my question for you, Ashley, is about the animation company, Klasky Supo, which is made up of the names of two creators and uh, Supo's nephew as well. So there are three people that were the founders uh, bearing those last names. 
Which of these four shows is not a Klasky Supo production? So your options are A. Rocket Power, B. The Wild Thornberries, C. Cat Dog, or D. Ah, Real Monsters. Oof. I know Patricia watching is screaming the right answer at the top of the lungs in her mind right now. Cause I, I, I just know like all the time that we'll they'll mention the show and she'll mention how they're animation style is what it is right and all four are very similar in animation which is why i picked them all right let me think here so it was do you need them again rocket power cat dog ah real monsters what was the third one or fourth what was the thornberries i know specifically all grown up is that's not helpful because <laughs> i remember noticing that it was there in the title screen right and and rugrats okay. of course I shouldn't, I shouldn't have to think so hard on these things. I, I feel like I always overthink trivia and end up regretting it. I'm going to go with cat dog. Was that, that was an option, right? Yes, that was an option. And unfortunately, Ashley, for me, that was correct. Correct! <laughs> nice! See what I did there? Well done. Yeah, I, uh... I don't know, I was trying to think of them off the top of my head to come up with answers before I looked up which actually were, and I thought Cat Dog was, but no, it was uh, just one dude on that show who came up with it. I, I don't know why it felt like it wasn't, but I'm glad that that was right. I guess, pause it around for both of us, two to two. Things, things will get interesting. There's going to be a time where we won't be tied anymore, I promise, guys. Oh, no, Cat Dog was created by Peter Hannon, and he performs the theme song. That's amazing. Oh, that is amazing. That's great. Cool. That's now cool. now I want a clip of Craig Bartlett going... Amazing. All right. I guess that, that sums up trivia. Up next, we'll have our conclusion with our fun fact Twitter poll preview for next week. And a little bit of an extra preview for something special we've got coming up. Alright, our fun fact this week is related again to the all-grown-up theme song, which we already heard a wonderful rendition by Casey, but the original is sang by the same voice actress who plays Susie, which I thought was pretty cool. She's really good. She, I forget her name, but she's in everything. She's number five in uh, Codename Kids Next Door. Our Twitter poll for this week is, which of Eliza's family comes through for her the most? Now, we don't want you guys to actually go and, like, count all the episodes, but in, like, a in an essence sense, which of them is there for her the most? Not between Ni Nigel, Marianne, Darwin, and Dobby. And if you think it's Deb... Uh, sorry, not Dobby. Let me read those again. Between Nigel, Marianne, Darwin, and Donnie. And we only have room for four options on a Twitter poll, but if you really think it's Deb, go ahead and tweet it at us, and we'll count those, too. All right, our preview for next week, we will be doing unsettling episodes. Episodes that, when you watch them, just make you a little bit uncomfortable, uneasy in different ways. And we've been talking about this one since when we first made the podcast so I'm pretty excited for it Wow you're right I forgot about that it was on our old list uh, so that'll be really fun also similarly related next week is the last week that we'll be watching any episodes for a while now don't panic you'll still get your podcast in our feed every week but you're gonna be a more direct participant than you have ever been in the Friday Night Nicktoons 
podcast because as soon as we reach March, all of our epi- all of our episodes are going to be debuting a new seasonal theme called Nick Madness, and this is structured after the March Madness NCAA tournament. And we have devised a 16-show tournament, and uh, technically 18, because we have some play-in rounds to see who makes the tournament. And what we're going to be doing every day for a while is putting out Twitter polls asking between show X and show Y, which one of these is your, f- which one do you like more? So it it is a popularity contest in the truest sense. It doesn't have to be which show is the best objectively. You can vote that way if you want, but we're just sort of taking a, a taste test of our audience, and we're going to spread these far and wide. There will be a big advertising campaign, and we're hoping that you guys really turn out to help us decide which Nicktoon is the best slash most favorite Nicktoon, because it's it's often unfair to compare unrelated shows to each other, which is why we're stressing, which do you like more? If you had to watch one right now, which would you watch? Yeah, and please, I know we have some pretty clear show bias. Don't be brought on by us. If you really, truly believe that you like a show better than one that we seem to obviously like better, vote for the one you like more. We're not trying to win here. Um, We're also planning on putting out blank brackets, just like the actual March Madness. You guys can guess which ones you'll think will win. Feel free to tweet those all filled out to us as well. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Me and Casey will also be making brackets, and we won't release those to each other until after the tournament. Promise that we won't change them or write them. We just don't want to, you know, try to change anybody's views by letting them out early. Of course, and I actually already made my brackets, there's, uh, I, I made a what I predict will happen and what I want to happen. So we'll, I'll reveal those at the very end. And we will reveal our bracket, let's say, on Friday the 24th. So when our 39th podcast comes out, we're going to release what the shows are. And then the very next day are the first round rounds of voting. So for a while, we're going to have daily polls, and as teams, as shows get eliminated, we will have fewer and fewer polls for obvious reasons. And each episode, we haven't decided exactly how our podcasts are going to work during this tournament, but essentially we're going to sort of be talking more about the future rounds than the previous rounds, right? Sort of making predictions and talking about the strengths and weaknesses of the shows that are about to face off. Do you agree with that, Ashley? Yeah, that's how I was seeing it. More of like a a future commentary, kind of like, you know, sports commentators in a, and they like, oh, what do you think? Well, this, you know, this player's really strong on this team. We'll have to see how this faces off against this. That's how sports commentators talk, right? Of course, yeah. And we're not sure what form this will take in terms of segments or whatever. These might be shorter episodes, or we may go on and on and on. And I'm sure we'll want to discuss if any, like, upsets happen, too, because those are always very interesting. Yeah, also... Feel free, share this with your friends who like Nicktoons, even if they haven't been listening to our podcast. I think this would be a great way to start to get involved. Um, I think that sums it all up. If there are any serious questions that you are confused about what's happening, feel free to let us know. But it should be a lot of fun. We've been looking forward to this for a while. So yeah, the first round of voting, like I said, starts February 25th. That's a Saturday. And uh, we'll continue all throughout March. And the conclusion of the entire tournament will be April 3rd. And we will release the results of that with the results of the actual tournament. So that, that'll be pretty fun. 
Oh, and of course, the winner will get an episode dedicated entirely to their show, and I think we'll have to make it an extra long episode. Also, Casey, and this is this is up to you. I'm thinking, um, we've we've had some mailing issues, but Casey will be getting a gift from his trivia. Maybe whoever has the more perfect bracket gets a little something from the other, if you're down for that. I think that's a great idea. And yeah, my gifts from Ashley for Trivia are still arriving piece by piece, so I will be sharing those via social media very, very soon. All right. I think that sums it up. This is probably the longest conclusion we have ever had. (laughs) Thanks, you guys, so much, as always, for listening, and we'll see you next week.